0: We have to start giving our developers the ability to find and fix security vulnerabilities before their code is merged. We have to talk about what a good security culture looks like and how we track and prioritize our efforts. This week on Dev Interrupted, I brought in Laurent Tal, a security expert from Sneak.io to talk about how our community can begin evolving traditional security workflows into a more modern way of working.
1: This episode is sponsored by Linear B. Give your dev team the power to improve with team based metrics, high risk code alerts, and the world's first project board based on real time Git activity. Sign up free at linearb.io.
0: What's up, Laurent? Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: All good. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to talk about open source security.
0: Yes, let's just jump right into it. We want to talk about open source security, we want to talk about dev-first security, um, and I want to start by asking you, um, what is dev-first security? You know, What does it mean and how is it different, maybe, than what a lot of teams are doing today?
1: Right, so I think probably to understand what dev-first security is, we kind of need to understand what is not dev-first security. And so that means what were traditional security practices of how, uh, you know, security teams were handled uh, in an organization, right? What, uh, you know, they were kind of like far off from what would be a developer friendly or even like developer enabling. So traditional security, you know, practices are kind of like uh, finding vulnerabilities uh, usually kind of like late in the game while you're already developing the application, maybe even, you know, after you deployed somewhere and so on. But going back really four or five years, I think, um, what what we've seen as a, like a pioneering approach in this dev-first security, developer-first security kind of notion and context was, security is not only for finding security issues, but also for actually promoting uh, kind of like an actionable fix, right? Making sure that we enable developers to uh, to fix the problem, not just find them. So, uh, Sneak did that like four or five years ago using pull requests, which is I think folks are seeing today. You know, this kind of like happening around GitHub, but really this was this was kind of like a revolutionary way of approaching Dev First Security. And probably I think with Dev First Security, I can give several examples of what it actually implies. Right. So, for example, when security teams would show you what uh, you know a security vulnerability. It will probably, you know, not get, uh, not be provided with a lot of context. And so, what Dev First means is, you know, some examples of that is showing you actual like the dependency path. If we're talking about third party dependencies, so where exactly is it coming from? Or if you need to upgrade from package X version one to package X version two to fix a vulnerability, that's a major breaking change. So a Dev First security kind of like solution or platform or approach in general will tell you, you know be very, you know, hesitant or, you know, careful when you make an upgrade, because this could probably break your APIs or something else. And I think this is kind of like the mantra around developer first, really, how do you build something that is in workflows for developers and what they are used to their pains? And, you know, basically enabling them to just, you know, fix something, do something about it and move on.
0: That's, that's really cool. You know, I I was probably developing like eight to 10 years ago is when I was a hardcore programmer. And what I was more so used to is like, okay, you write a bunch of code, you know, you might even deploy it. And then there's like a pen testing that happens at a certain time (laughs) or, you know, different automated um, like security suites that run. And then you might get a report back and then you might, you know, prioritize, the more severe vulnerabilities, and then it makes it back into your product, uh, you know, queue, and then you, you fix stuff unless it's like su- super urgent. Yeah. And I think kind of what you're, you're saying is now while I'm developing, I can actually open a PR as a developer and I'm going to get some type of feedback right then while, while I'm coding. Is that fair, fair to say?
1: Yeah, it's it's exactly like that. I mean, that what you described is a very traditional model of security working, uh, kind of after the fact, kind of like you know, not very intertwined with developers, and that that is basically the reason, one of the reasons, right, for why security kind of slows down in the organizations because, like you're saying, right, you need to prioritize it. I know we could have been in that role before. I needed for my development team. I was a developer before. Uh, we needed to like uh, prioritize security fixes, but of course, you now are kind of like you know fighting for time and priority versus other features and bugs and technical debt and so many things. So how do you get that on the way? And I think the whole approach is kind of different with developer first and the way that you approach it is that you You enable the developers, which if you think about it, uh, traditional security as well, has been all about finding the issues and then bringing them to the developers. It was never like, you know, security engineers, they never actually like upgrade your dependencies or you like fix your security issues, unless it was something, you know, beyond the application, like an infrastructure or network appliance or so on. And so if you think about it, the key to solve the security issues are the developers, right? So. Those are the people you want to enable in the most, you know, best developer experience process possible, so that they would actually be able to do it, you know, have fun with it, or you know, just you know, finish it and move on to something else.
0: Yeah, one of the things that's actually really common about Linear B, my company, and Sneak, you know, where where you're you're working, is we're both kind of trying to empower developers. So that's one of the things that we mean when we say dev first. We're trying to put information into the hands early exactly. while developers are, are coding. You know, at linear B, it's giving information about their stuck work or they're, you know, automatically updating their project status for them or some quality issues, that type of stuff. And you know, for you all, it's more um, on the the uh, security side. But what I found is, in general, in our industry, whenever we do kind of give developers information at the right time, good stuff happens. <laughs> for um, sure, yeah. And, you know, what, what is some of that good stuff that happens uh, security-wise when you kind of, uh, you know, maybe inspect the the PR for, for developers?
1: Right. So I think it's the good stuff that are happening. I think we're seeing a lot of... Um, Kind of like developer drive to adopt solutions that you know work very well in the way that they they expect it to work. Uh, so it's anything between, uh, for example, when you open a pull request, you could give information and say, uh, like you will be able to mer- the merge confidence, right? You will be able to merge it successfully without breaking your build in you know X and or Y percentage. So those go a long way into providing developers with more context into what is going on. The other thing that we're doing is if you for example open a pull request to upgrade and this is not even security upgrades, this is just developers you know being developers they want to be on the edge they want to be you no know, bleeding edge they using package they want to make sure that that package is you know up to date all the time so you know sometimes they might opt into getting uh, you know general uh, general uh, upgrades for packages at that point, maybe you want to tell them, you know, give them context of, well, this is, you know, the latest upgrade to do, uh, but when was it out, right? Like, what is, what is the delta between the previous, what you have right now and what you're going to move into? Give them the change log. So all of those good stuff, are like, you need to give them more context when they need to make a decision, because then, then that decision will be a lot more accurate uh, with that background information.
0: And less costly. Right. I mean, if you're sure. if you're if you're, you know, f- handling anything with security earlier in the development cycle, same thing for quality, same thing for delivering a project on time. You're going to you're, you're going to save time. You're going to save uh, costs the earlier that you're able to take action. True. Um, I wanted to give an opportunity. I, I know that uh, Sneak is a big supporter of the open source uh, community, so I wanted to make sure we would you know, you know dot, dove into that for for a second. So, how can a developer or or a company make sure you know either the open source resources they're using are secure, or if I or if I'm working on like an open source uh, a project, how does how does Sneak play into that?
1: Yeah, so. This goes. I think we can kind of like break that down into several open source resources that are kind of like very high level uh, categories. One of them is the open source dependencies for your application, and you there's you know probably two different ways of doing that. There is the uh, or basically two resources you can use. Uh, that we make available for you. One is actually a very recently, um, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's uh, it's called the sneak advisor. If you just Google that or something, you'll find it. But basically what we've actually uh, kind of like beta launching now is usually developers are want to find out if a package is, you know, if they want to decide if to use that package or they're checking in on a package held. They want to know if, you know, I'm currently using Lodash, should I keep using it? I'm currently using request, that's an HTTP client. Should I use it? Or is it like going to be unmaintained? What's going on there? So that's where the Sneak Advisor comes in. It's it's super kind of like you know open source newish thing. So you know uh, we'd love any feedback on it. But basically the whole point of that is it gives you this kind of like 360 view into a package. It gives you uh, the maintenance. It uh, gives you like a maintenance score. The popularity of that is it trending up, trending down. What is the current state of the security around it? And it's not really just about maybe the request package itself, but also does it has licensing? Did it recently change licenses that could impact you? Uh, the indirect vulnerabilities that exist or that coming from the packages that request users. So it takes kind of like all of those metrics. It's making an, all of it available for you, very transparent, and giving you you know a, an overall package score. So that that's kind of like what we're trying to do with the Sneak Advisor. And then there's the Sneak tooling itself, right? Which shows you uh, vulnerabilities in your dependencies, showing you a dependency tree, and explaining to you basically where does the, uh, the vulnerability is coming from.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And it sounds like you're, you're doing really nice stuff to enable, you know, my ability as a developer to have confidence to use open source, you know, tools, and maybe like an enterprise world. And I don't, you know, have to worry, I'm going to introduce, you know, a big issue here. So, so that's really great. Um, switching topics a, a little bit, we have a lot of listeners on our pod that are, you know, team leaders, um, senior developers, people that are really focused on how can I do the best for my team, you know, my squad unit. And I wanted to, to ask your your opinion when I'm thinking about responsibilities of developers on my team. Or you know, versus do I need a security engineer? Should that type of person be on on, on my team? And who should be doing what when it comes to security? Um, can you kind of talk about like individual team setup and and your opinion on roles and responsibilities of the team members?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, it's a it's a very like broad question because it it it's like so different between organizations and sizes and like maybe one organization is kind of like big enough and mature enough to have, you know, dedicated application security uh, engineers, right. Ha- you know, handling kind of like that perspective of it. Others may not. Right. And so I think it's important to have a good uh, a good security culture. And what I mean by that is we're so... Who is responsible for security? We could just ask that question, right? In an organization, who is responsible for it? You know, one answer that we see a lot is, you know, everyone, right? Everyone responsible for security. It's everyone's job and so on. But also, you know, you could, you know, kind of like look at it where, you know, if everyone is responsible for it, maybe no one is responsible for it. That happens a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So... It was an interesting question that we actually asked in uh in a former year uh, a state of open source security report which sneak does uh, you know annually and we asked this question like who do you think is responsible for uh, fixing vulnerabilities um I don't know if it's gonna kind of surprise you or not but over 80% uh, uh uh, the vote was, you know, over 80% of people, uh, you know, respondents think that developers should actually own security. And it makes sense. It's very much, uh, you know, what you would expect in a developer-first kind of company uh, as an answer from people, like, we're on the right track. This is what people expect. But I think to that end, also, if you're unable to get, uh, you know, dedicated AppSec engineers in a team, which, you know, what they do is, you know, anything, for, like they they need to use their security expertise and, you know, techniques, to basically find and mitigate security vulnerabilities. But it's hard to expect that from developers doing that day to day. So instead you could, you know, form kind of like maybe an alliance on, you know, on like an R&D organization where uh, you celebrate security wins, right? There's a a dedicated security champion that is, you know, responsible for pushing all of that, for maybe uh, doing security code reviews, for doing kind of like, you know, lunch and learn sessions where uh, security talks are part of this, uh, uh, vulnerabilities are prioritized in the backlog and so on so there's probably a lot of think around those terms that you could do that are not if you do not have you know dedicated persona around security in the, in the org right now that would be very helpful in kind of like putting putting uh, everything that you need in place to go through that way
0: yeah a, a lot of or organizations in the linear b community are kind of those types of companies where they're scaling up their engineering team, you know, they probably have a CISO, but they don't necessarily have, you know, a team of security developer experts and and, and that yeah. type of thing. And what I usually talk to and they talk to me about is like we're saying, well, how can I enable my developers? I have a lot of developers, really smart people. That That's what I have. That's my, my resource. And I need to yeah. still do a good job with security. Um, do you have any tips of how to empower um, developers to kind of act on vulnerabilities and those types of kind of like scale up companies?
1: I think, I think a lot of that really does boil down to... Uh, the security champions. I think they are, uh, it, I mean, it's hard to expect developers to also excel in security. It's hard, it's right. like they have a lot of things to do, right? They got uh, a lot on their plate. <laughs> a lot, right? Performance and metrics and, you know, getting, you know, uh, testing, you know, the in the, in the in the traditional way of that, of doing that. So, so many things. I, I really do think uh, security champions is a good way to enable an organization to have, like, first of all, a security culture, which, you know, a lot of the organizations may not have it. And that right. may, you know, then diverge into, you know, a privacy culture and, and all other related areas as well that are needed for organizations to kind of like, you know, scale well. You uh,
0: you mentioned kind of uh, metrics. Metrics is something, you know, that's kind of on the mind of the engineering community right now. And, you know, on this pod and at Linear B, we love talking about uh, (laughs) metrics. A lot of the metrics that we uh, provide, you know, actually at the end of the day, give time back to developers, Um, kind of allow them to focus on writing code and building features and do all the innovative stuff. And of course, let the team uh, continuously improve based, based on uh, metrics. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is: Are there any security based metrics that dev teams uh, should be tracking?
1: Yeah, it's, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, probably relates to what you what you're not tracking or not measuring, right? How do you know how you're doing in that space? You're doing good or bad, or you know how to improve. Um, I like that aspect. What I think uh, I can give examples of maybe maybe a couple of metrics. So one of them would be maybe a time to fix. So for example, that means how long do security vulnerabilities stay open before someone fixes it? This is basically, you could think about it as your exposure window, right? The exposure to a vulnerability that you might have. And if we're talking about third-party dependencies, it's basically... If a fix, you know, can be anything from upgrading a dependency to applying a patch, or maybe even moving from one dependency which has a vulnerability but no, you know, immediate fix, you might need to move, uh, you know, to a different, you know, alternative dependency that you know gives you the same capabilities, but that one is is secure.
0: That's, so there's that. That's actually a really, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. That's really really smart. We we have a metric at at Linear B that we're tracking called mean time to restore. So, you know, now that that's more general in the sense that, you know, it could be any issue in, in production, or it could be, you know, any, you know, customer issue. If we kind of took that mean time to restore metric and named it something, you know, mean time to, to fix or security, recovery. you know, fix, then that would give exactly what, what what you just said.
1: Yeah, exactly that one. If you're talking also about, I mean, there's other metrics if we can think of um, teams like a lot to work in in you know in the agile kind of uh, I think the the yes. measurement and the insights right like burn down charts, sprint burn yes. downs, very common. If you think about it, if you flip it around and we call that maybe um, something like issues over time, then basically you could think about it as this upside uh, burndown chart where you could imagine kind of like an, a histogram made up of a vulnerability severities, low, medium, and high. And if that histogram is basically continues growing over time, that means you're growing your security debt, right? Just like you're growing your technical debt, actually right. growing the amount of issues open over time. And you know, obviously the risk goes up and everything else. So that's another metric you could use to figure out how good slash bad you're doing in terms of remediating this.
0: Yeah, we, we have kind of a, a category of uh, metrics that I call investment profile. And what that kind of means is on what type of work are we spending our time on? And also what type of work is coming into the system? So, with the security mindset, we could look at well, how much security rate related work is being asked of, or coming into the system, or amount of vulnerabilities are being put onto the engineering team, and then on the flip side, how much investment are we actually investing into security? Uh, that may be a great way to you know kind of uh, tactically measure what what you what you were just speaking about.
1: Yeah, I really like that. That sounds interesting.
0: You know, one thing that I always had trouble with at at my last uh, startup, when I was a VP uh, of engineering, you know, we were always under the the gun to uh, deliver great features to customers. And it felt difficult almost to ensure that we were spending time on security, even though, you know, it's so important.
1: It's just a very common thing to hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah, do you have you heard? Yeah, have you heard that at all? Or do you have any tips for kind of again these these up and coming teams where they need to build features, but if you have a security vulnerability, that could ruin the company.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a very common problem, right? I mean, prioritizing right. and, and again, like making sure that you have time to make something secured, uh, as well as working on other things. I would say my tip would be uh, look at how to prioritize because sometimes you have you know you want to be very efficient in the way that you do things and you want to have a high uh, return on investment of your time as a developer or you know an appsec team or whatever and so what it means uh it practically in the field it means well you might have you know 100 vulnerabilities that you know sneak will find when you scan or import like a project a container whatever but then, what if you could just prioritize and fix only those that have you know the most uh, you know severe kind of characteristics to it? The old way of doing that again, a traditional way of doing this is looking at a CVSS. This is basically the scoring system from zero to ten that says a vulnerability is you know ten very you know critical versus very low. Right. but that that still misses a lot of context. So the way that we do it is we give you a prioritization score. And that score surely does take into account the CVSS, the the the, uh, uh, the the severity of the vulnerability. But it also takes a look at other interesting metrics, like it adds to it uh, the exploit maturity. So if this is, you know, uh, an SQL injection attack a vulnerability that has an exploit in the wild, that means basically a payload, the script that someone can run, uh, you know, automate it and run it. If it also has a fix, like you could just remediate it by just upgrading the vulnerability, all of those kind of like bring this the prioritization score up. So you could actually be very um like very mindful on 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 prior in your prioritization, like basically moving down a lot of the backlog in terms of the risk that it adds without you know, going and chasing every single vulnerability, just the most important, the most significant, the most severe.
0: So just just breaking this down, you mentioned the I, I believe CVSS is that a is that a standard score? Yeah, yeah, that, that's community? a standard. Okay, yeah. So that's a like an industry standard uh, term. What does that stand for? Do you know?
1: It's the uh, the Common Vulnerability and Scoring System. It's basically in in the same uh, working group, working world of um, of the CVEs, uh, the Common Vulnerability Enumeration, and, and that kind of world.
0: So if we take that, but then we can also kind of combine it with some of, I would say, like sneaks or technology to understand, well, what's kind of easier to fix or what's not easier to fix? Now I can set a priority where maybe I can spend the right amount of time, but not too much time.
1: Completely. That's exactly what we're doing. This is already, by the way, like embedded in the project, in the product. So we actually give you that prioritized score already crunched up with all the weighted, uh, uh, kind of like, uh, like a blueprint, right. Of all of those checks that we are already doing.
0: That That's awesome. So, yeah, you know, thank you so much for coming on uh, the pod today. I think you really educated us on, you know, what it means for Dev first security and, you know, what I can do if I want to use more open source, uh, um, tools, Um, if listeners want to connect with you or kind of continue learning about some of these topics, um, where can they go?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, I guess, like many of us folks, um, under Liran underscore uh, Tal, uh, just ping me, uh, if you have any questions, of course, follow-ups on this, uh, you know, ping me on DMs if you wanted to as well, I'm happy to catch up. I think as a follow-up, if you wanted to kind of like drill in into more of what we talked about here a really good space is uh, as we mentioned before is the secure developer that's a podcast that we're doing uh for a couple of years now um with the person doing that is is Guy Pojarni who is the founder and president of Sneak has been doing this for a long time he's a very uh, you know veteran person in the appsec like space out of history there so uh, he's touching on a lot of points of what we just said, like metrics and, uh, you know, the future of this and security culture of how to do uh, 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 security champions and all of those kind of uh, aspects. Uh, and basically, his, each podcast is basically him interviewing someone else from the industry. Uh, so really, really good listening uh, material there if you are uh, into catching up with uh, some of these stories from other people as well.
0: Awesome. So everyone, you know, feel free to hit up Leron over Twitter and check out the uh, sneak pod. Um, Also, be sure to join the Dev Interrupted Discord community. This is where we keep the conversation, you know, happening all week long and uh, check out our AMAs on uh, Fridays. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, Leron, thanks again for, for coming on the show.